Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 to 13. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them any more, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Then they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is it written about the Son of Man that he is to go through many sufferings and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written about him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes, thanks be to God. My brothers and sisters, today is Transfiguration Sunday. The story that we just read is the story of the Transfiguration, and this is Transfiguration Sunday. And some of you are saying, oh great, Transfiguration Sunday. And some of you are saying, what in the world is Transfiguration Sunday? And no matter where you're coming from on this, it's okay. This story throughout generations has been read, the story of the Transfiguration, because this is the story that is almost always told the week before the beginning of Lent. That journey that we make each year with Christ toward the cross. In fact, you could think of this journey with Christ towards the cross as a journey between two mountaintop experiences. One we heard read today, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus departs the mountain and begins his journey which will culminate on a mountaintop called Calvary. But why? Why is this the passage that sets the tone for the Lenten journey? Throughout our time today, we'll endeavor to understand why, to learn from this passage. And there are three very specific things I want to show you coming out of this text that I think prepare us to take this journey this year with Jesus Christ as we prepare for Lent 2021 and our journey with Christ towards his cross. I want to start this conversation about what happens in this passage around transfiguration by by talking about the presence of Moses and Elijah. Now, it's, it's noteworthy that Moses and Elijah specifically are the ones who are there. In part, it's noteworthy because the ministries that Moses and Elijah carried out were both expectations of the ministry that Christ carried out. There were great similarities. Think about some of the things that Moses did. Moses was given the power by God over water. Moses split the sea. Jesus calmed the sea. 
Moses walked through the sea. Jesus walked over the sea. But both of them were given power by God over the elements. Moses, because of God's power, was able to help feed people in their wilderness. Jesus fed people when they were far away from anything with just loaves and fish. There's great similarity in some of the ministry that Moses and Jesus does. Of of great import is the fact that Moses set people free and Jesus Christ came to set the world free. But there's also Elijah. Similarities between the ministry of Elijah and, and the ministry of Jesus. Elijah was able to stand up and speak to a society and say there are things in this world that are not right. Jesus does the same thing. Elijah has tremendous power given to him by God. For example, Elijah in his ministry is able to raise someone from the dead. Jesus does the same thing. There are great similarities between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. But I I want to point out that there is one clear way above all others in which Moses and Elijah point us towards what Jesus is doing. They point us towards understanding the mission and the meaning of the work of Jesus Christ in this world. What do I mean? Well, my friends, Moses represents the law of righteousness. God's expectation of how we will live. In fact, the law is often referred to as the law of Moses. The law and the man are synonymous with one another. Moses is the one who'd received the law and called God's people to live it out. Elijah is the symbol of God's promise. Moses is reminiscent of the law. Elijah, reminiscent of the promise. Elijah was the chief prophet, one could say, of Israel's history. And prophecy at its heart is about the promise of God to the world. The presence of of Moses and Elijah on that Mount of Transfiguration symbolize that Jesus is the union of God's perfect righteousness and God's perfect promise. I may not be completely righteous. In fact, none of us are. But Christ has fulfilled that righteousness for us. And that's language that we are familiar with as Christians. We talk about this in the church all the time, that Christ became our righteousness. We are aware of our complete and our utter dependence on the righteousness of Jesus in order to be reunited with God. But I wonder, I wonder if we also see our utter dependence on Christ becoming our promise. There are some moments in our lives when having faith in God is easy. There are mountaintop moments, and praise God for those seasons. But not every day is like that. There are times when we wrestle and slog along, even when we are struggling, struggling to believe or trust In that moment, Christ is holding on to us. I love the way that Romans chapter 8 describes this. Paul is discussing moments of difficulty in our lives. He sets the scene of human weakness. And he says, when we are so down that we don't even have the words to speak, to ask God for help, 
When we don't have the strength, when we don't have the faith, in that moment, God intercedes for us through the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus Christ came to become our righteousness, to fulfill the righteousness for us when our righteousness fails, but He also came to be our promise. In those moments when we struggle to believe, when our prayers can't muster the words, the presence of of Moses and Elijah on that mountaintop represent the two greatest gifts that God gives to the world through Jesus Christ. Freedom from a past of sin and promise of a future with God. That is who Jesus is for us. Freedom from our past from the sin, from the fear, freedom from condemnation. But also He is the great promise of the great future. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. This is one of the great lessons from this Mount of Transfiguration. On this mountain, we see with clarity that Christ came to set us free from the sins of our past and help us claim the promise of the future. That's one lesson. Let's talk about another. One of the things that's noteworthy about this scripture is that it is in the scriptures one of the few times in the New Testament where we hear a recording of the audible voice of God. In verse 7, the Bible says, Then a cloud overshadowed them, And from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. As we are preparing for this journey of Lent once more, the journey towards the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, these words from the mouth of our very God must be constantly ringing in our ears. Listen. Listen to my son. And so one important question that emerges from this text for us today is, have we been listening? Listening to the the wisdom of the teaching of Jesus. Have I heard Christ's call on me in this season to love my enemies? to pray for those who persecute me? Have we heard Christ's caution that he he knows that our lives will be without power if our lives are without prayer? Have we heard Christ's call on us to care for those who are less fortunate, the widow and the orphan, to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, to house the homeless, Last summer, we walked for two months through Jesus' greatest teaching, the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's worth remembering how that greatest of all sermons ends. Jesus says, those of you who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like a wise man who builds his house on the solid rock and the rain will fall and the wind will blow, but the house built on the rock will stand strong. 
Have we been hearing the words of Christ and putting them into action? Because there is a word from God for you in this moment, in this season. Perhaps it's a word of comfort. Like that we find in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble and hearted. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is God speaking words of comfort to you? Perhaps, perhaps God wants to teach you this season speaking words about forgiveness or trust or hope or love. My friends, I promise you this. If we are willing to do what God calls us to do in this passage, if we are willing to make ourselves available to listen to Jesus, we will hear from God exactly what we need to hear. You might say, well, pastor, that sounds great. And I would love to hear from God exactly what I need to hear, but how should I listen? How do we do this? Well, I have an idea about that that I'd like to share. A challenge of sorts. Throughout Lent, there is a great tradition in the church. A practice of making sacrifices. Not of of animals. (laughs) When people intentionally give things up or start a new practice during the season of Lent as a way to identify with Christ in His suffering on this journey to the cross. Given the command from God's own mouth, this is my son, listen to him. What if that became our practice throughout these 40 days of Lent? The Gospel of Mark has 16 chapters. The Gospel of Luke, 24 Put those together, it's exactly 40, and there are exactly 40 days in the season of Lent. One chapter each day. Would you be willing to join with me in this challenge? Throughout the season of Lent, to simply listen once more to the teaching of Jesus by reading one chapter from these Gospels each day. Because If we will do what God commanded us, listen to Jesus, then Jesus is going to tell us exactly what we need to hear. And there's one last thing I want to point out from this wonderful passage. It's in fact one of my favorite parts about this story because of the humanity in it. It's an awkward moment. It's a disruption Jesus is in the midst of being glorified. Moses and Elijah are there with him. It was one of those those moments we still are talking about 2,000 years later, one of those rare moments throughout history. And in those moments, oftentimes the best thing we can do is just sit and observe it and be grateful for it. But God loved Peter. He just couldn't keep his mouth shut. He couldn't do it. Instead, Peter pipes up. And he says, this is good. That's exactly what the Bible says. He says, this is good. And then he says, 
Let's build some houses up here. Some dwellings. Why would Peter say that? Well, my brothers and sisters, I think there's a a very, very honest reason why Peter would make a suggestion. This is so good. Let's build houses up here. It was because Peter was on the mountaintop and life was good. He was in close proximity to God and to God's love and God's providence. And he wanted to stay exactly where he was. I don't think Peter said, let's build some dwellings up here because he wanted to stay for a while. I think Peter wanted to stay up there on that mountaintop forever. Can you blame him? I can understand it. Who wouldn't want to live on the mountaintop, church? I want you to imagine what things would have been like if Jesus had acquiesced to Peter's request. Peter, this is a great idea, man. We are going to stay here. I know you guys. I like you guys. And and you're right. This is good. Let's just stay. Man, if Jesus had made that decision, six people would have had a wonderful eternity together. Moses, Jesus, Elijah, and the three disciples. And that would be good. But 2,000 years later, a man came along by the name of Jim Collins who helps put it in perspective. He said, good is the enemy of great. My brothers and sisters, if Jesus had acquiesced to Peter's request, if they'd stayed on the mountain, six people would have had a wonderful eternity, true community and connection, but what about the rest of the world? And so Jesus made the decision to descend from the mountaintop. Jesus chose the valley so that you and I could know our worth, so that we could be restored, so we could experience and share love. Jesus did this for us. And in so doing, he taught us how we must act if we want to be part of the powerful effort of God's redemption of this world. Stepping beyond our comfort and beyond that which is simply good. Choosing instead to walk into the valley, leaving the mountaintop we're on in order to trust that God is leading us from that good thing to the great thing. This transfiguration passage, my friends, it has so much to teach us as we prepare for this journey called Lent. Moses and Elijah, their presence on this mountain convey that the sins of our past are gone and the promise of the future is real. God's own voice in this story reminds us to listen to the wisdom for our lives found in the teaching of God's own Son. And Jesus himself shows us what it looks like 
to trade in the comfort of a good moment for the world-changing wonder of the mountaintop that is in store. Why does the church begin the season of Lent with this story fresh in our minds? Because it reminds us the great mission of Jesus and the truth it means for our lives. Our past is forgiven. The promise of our future, secure. So listen to the voice of Christ and take your step. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.